passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Or you could catch us on the Dash Radio app. Is it an app? It's an app, <laughs> right? It is It is definitely an app. Um, All right. Well, you can hear us on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. That is live, but not really live, right? Right. <laughs> it is a hard Knicks life. This is season two, episode 18. On this, it's a hard Knicks life. Right, we have to show potential free agents that something is brewing at Madison Square Garden. When are you going to start your development process? If you're looking to tank, 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 look for the next big thing. I say gracefully because you know he, he's a little bit of a bull down there. How can I say a graceful bull? He's a little bit of a graceful bull underneath the basket. He's like a graceful bull with 30 pound ankle weights. <laughs> that that huge game that Moutier had, Trey Burke ran over to him. He dumped, I don't know, it looked like fucking ginger ale. The players were all jumping around. I haven't seen the Knicks that happy and I can't remember when. Burke ahead to Moody. It shows, Barry, that they're developing a culture. A culture where it's not about I. It's not about individuals. It's about the team. You hear that, Barry? Yeah! Yeah. What's up, Fax? How about that music? Uh, Nothing gets me going (laughs) like that. Is that a cowbell in there? (laughs) I think that is a cowbell. Somebody reached out to me recently asked me what the name of that song was. Did you know what the name of the song was? I didn't, but I can tell them right now. The name of the song is Hey Brooklyn. You know what? Fuck Brooklyn. <laughs> it's just some piece of stock music from a library we paid for. We own it. It was about $30. How does that sound, Barry? <laughs> big spender. <laughs> big, big money on this show. No, it's a good choice, man. That music gets me going every week. We will call it Fuck Brooklyn. Fuck Brooklyn. Barry, how was that violin recital you went to tonight? Violin recital? Yeah. Where did you get off? (laughs) I don't play violin. Told me you you you, you had to watch the game late. We're doing the show late tonight because... you had to be at a recital or something at your son's school. How it wasn't was it? A, it wasn't a recital. It was this uh, thing. He he got like this honorable mention for something he wrote. Um, so you know, oh. all the uh, recipients were reading their works um, at his school tonight. So um, you know, he was actually like the second one to go up out of I don't know. It must have been like fifty 
up there. So, you know, he read it and I bolted. Was this like a poem? Uh, not a poem. It was, um, it was like a thing about heroes. So he wrote about his grandfather and um, how he was his hero. That's nice. That's nice. Well, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna sort of laugh at you about you not being the hero, but I'm sure that that, that would not be nice at all. <laughs> I'm sure it was a very well done. You know what, Barry? Sometimes you just have to know when to not say anything. <laughs> this is one of those times. <laughs> I'm sure it was great. He was like, how many kids were up for this award? Was uh, I was it? like the whole third grade. So he came in second place? No, there was uh, like first, second, third, and then there was like two honorable mentions. So he was one of the honorable mentions. Huh. It's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, he gets a nice certificate. So Knicks have, uh, you know, been playing well lately, Barry, but a lot of fans have been getting upset with the minutes being given out to the young guys. Knox in particular, nine minutes against New Orleans, seven against Memphis, 16 against Detroit. So now everyone's arguing about should we be winning? Should we be tanking? Should we just be developing the young guys? Should Fizz be playing some of the vets as much as he has been? Should he be chasing these wins like some fans are saying? Should Fizz stick to his word and just play the young guys no matter what? Or should we straight up be tanking for players like Zion Williamson from Duke? Or any of those top picks in the draft. I'm not sure how you feel about this, Barry, but I think part of the culture change that is happening with the Knicks and has to happen to move forward has to be at least a little bit about developing a winning culture. Right? We have to show potential free agents that something is brewing at Madison Square Garden. What good does it do to just put Knox in, put Robinson in, throw Nilekin out there on some nights when they clearly just don't have it? Are they going to learn anything valuable by playing in a 30-point loss? Will Knox benefit by playing in garbage time and a blowout when the game doesn't mean a thing and he's scoring 11 points against the third stringers on the opposing team? Is that when you're going to learn how to play in the NBA? Or is it better to play these young guys with some of the vets on our roster? Now, when I say vets, they're not, I'm not talking Lance Thomas and Michael Beasley from last season. I'm talking vets like Trey Burke and Ennis Cantor. Still young guys. Do we know if they're going to be here next year? We don't know. But they are on our team now. And if they put us in positions to be playing in close games at the end of games, give some of these young players an opportunity to excel and shine in big moments, you know, big moments at the garden with the crowd amped up. Isn't that better of a learning experience than just throwing them out there night after night for 30 to 40 minutes? Yeah, I mean, you do that. It's it's not only discouraging to them and to their own play, it's discouraging to all the players around them who more than half of which are in development seasons of their own. Um, you're absolutely right. You have to... You have to sprinkle in a winning culture throughout the development. And if there's going to be a stretch of a week, you know, three games where a developmental player isn't going to get the minutes for that one particular week because maybe Fizdale is highlighting a couple of other players and trying to boost up their minutes for that week, I have no problem at all. How are you going to improve and how is your development process actually going to take hold if you don't get some consistency? 
And it's not just consistency of minutes within the game, but it's stringing some games together, taking off what maybe you you know you you think about what happened last game, right? Um, maybe you watched film. Maybe you're just in your own head. Maybe you know you're just thinking about to plays how you would have done them different. You want that chance that next game to get back in there, not sitting on the bench wondering when am I going to get back in there. You need that stuff fresh in your mind so that you could carry over to those games. And that I think he's doing a good job with that development process. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? And we're seeing it already with Moutier, um, you know, who's at, who's been, I mean, he's, his, his shooting was off tonight against Detroit. But, um, but I mean, you look at his last his last week of games, I mean, his shooting's been on point. He's been attacking the rim. I mean, he's been a different player. He's been taking control. The confidence about him has been, you know, just leaps and bounds from where it had been. Um, so it's things like that that you start to see and that you accept that this process is probably going in the right direction. And, and, and no, you can't tank. Tanking's not going to do good for anybody. I, I, I'm at a loss, really, because I still... I still feel like there's like 50% of the fan base and maybe it's maybe it's the more casual fan that wants it, but they're just looking, you know, at that top pick and they're thinking, you know, we, we got to lose as many games as possible to ensure that we get that top pick. When are you going to start your development process? If you're looking at tank, 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 look for the next big thing. You've got, you know, top picks on your team right now that you could develop. And we know that we, the Knicks have money to spend going into next year. Maybe they get it this summer. Maybe they don't. But you need these years, not year, years to develop these players. Right. And we want to, do you want to really waste year after year and every year? And we're only 21 games, 21, 22 games into the season this year. Right. And everyone, not everyone, but a lot of the fan base is already saying, no, we should be tanking. We shouldn't be trying to win these games. Dude, so what? Every year within the first quarter of the season, we're going to decide we just need to tank and then hope for a top pick. And it doesn't even always pan out. Look at Knox. We suffered through a miserable season last season. Got Knox. Everyone, you know, everyone was super excited about him. Alonzo Trier, the undrafted rookie, is the one that's turning everyone's heads. Like, it doesn't... You can't blow a season just hoping that you're going to get a top pick and then hoping that that top pick is going to work out. The record is going to be the record, and your draft pick number is going to be your draft pick number. All right, you can't force these things. You need to do what you are paid to do. And what the coaching staff is paid to do is make this team better, player by player and as a team. Someone said to me recently online, complaining about these wins, that they're not as meaningful because we're using players to win some of these games that we don't even know are going to be here next year, like Ennis Cantor, like Vonley, like Burke. Like Moody, eh? That's I mean, is that ridiculous? Yes. When 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 free agents are considering the Knicks, let's for maybe let's let's imagine in our wildest dreams that some top free agents are considering the Knicks, and they look back on this season. When they look back and they see games like that game against Memphis that we won for Fizdale, right? Are they going to look back and be like, oh well, we on, the Knicks only won that game because Ennis played forty one minutes? And had 21 points and 26 rebounds. No! They're going to look back at that game and see a bunch of young guys fighting for their head coach. They're going to see a head coach after the game almost in tears talking about how much he loves the young guys, how much he loves his group, and how they showered him with buckets of ice water after the game. 
Coach, I know you said you were treating this as just another game. You're at peace with this situation. But your players told me, Emmanuel Moutier in particular, that they wanted to win this one for you. They wanted to have your back the way you have their back. What does it mean to have your players standing behind you like that? Um, you get me emotional because I can't put it into words. Um, you know, I, I really didn't want this game to be about me at all because they would just started playing some good basketball, and I didn't want to take the focus off of that, of us chopping our tree and, uh, you know, the effort they put for me and how they, what they said to me after the game, just, uh, I love these kids. Just soaked me down with freaking water. My suit is ruined. And, uh, you know, uh, Manuel came up to me, Mud, and, uh, you know, him and Tim both just was hugging me and telling me it was for me. And then they all came in and I lost it. And, you know, because, it's just some good kids in that locker room playing hard and trying to get better. And that, that meant a lot to me that they put forth that effort with me in mind. That's the kind of culture that free agents maybe, just maybe, will want to be a part of. They're not going to be looking back at who played the most minutes. Barry, I'm angry. I don't know what Knicks fans fucking want. <laughs> this is not like Hornacek last season where he was playing... Jack, Jack, who's like 45 every night. The problem with Hornacek last season was that not only was he playing vets over the young guys, he was playing vets no matter how bad they were over the young guys. At least Fisdale is, when the, when the young guys are playing well, he's putting them out there. But he can't play Mitchell Robinson for 20 minutes a game when the dude can't even... How many games has he been fouled out of in the past four games? You can't, I mean, how many minutes can you give him? He fouled out against Detroit last night, right? In what? How many minutes did he foul out against Detroit? Where is it? He's got 16. so many box scores up on my screen. 16 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Six personal fouls in 16 minutes. Well, well, Pelicans, didn't he foul out of that one? Six fouls in nine minutes. It was almost a Knicks record. It's driving me crazy, Barry. I don't know what everyone wants. I mean, I think th I think it's got to be a mixture of you have to try to win while you're trying to develop. You can't just straight up tank this early in the season. It's not worth it, especially with the new draft odds, Barry. Have you taken a look at that? Yeah, I have. And it's a lot more favorable, and there's a lot less of a gap between like those top 10 teams. It's a lot more favorable the way the Knicks usually finish a season because we never, we're never like the, we're never the worst of the worst ever. Right now, after the loss to Detroit Barry, we're 7 and 15. That's a 318 winning percentage. That puts us at the fifth worst record in the league. You know what the percentage is, the chance of getting a top four pick in that slot is? Go ahead. 42%. So even with these three wins and even with us developing a culture and even with us playing guys like Ennis, dude, we still got a 42% chance of landing a top yeah. four pick. That's all you want. Yeah. And, you know, being in these games and keeping it close at the end of these games are going to keep all these players playing at their best. You know, you start tanking, you start losing game after game. That fire inside these guys is going to fizzle out. And you need these guys to be at their best so that, number one, you could determine, do I want to keep this guy on my team? Do I see something there that we're going to build around and he's going to become part of our core? Or B, do we want to try to move this guy to get something or do we want to just dump him? And your only, you know, your best way to make that assessment 
is obviously to see the goods, you know, see what this guy's got and to be in these games. You know, the, the, the locker room is going to be a much better, happier place um, if you sprinkle in some wins here, especially against good teams, um, you know, like they did against Boston, against New Orleans, against Memphis, you know, two of which were on the road. And again, a happy locker room is something else like you alluded to earlier, where a free agent may see that and say, I want to be a part of that. You know, not only am I going to be a part of a team where I'm going to be able to showcase myself and earn my minutes, you know, continue to earn my minutes, but I'm going to play in the Mecca. I'm going to play, in, you know, in the world's most famous arena. I'm going to play in front of a sold out crowd every night, um, you know, in, in, in the biggest market in the world. Right. And even if the Knicks dropped to like the ninth worst record, dude, with these new draft odds, we would still have a 20% chance of a top four pick. Anyway, we're going to talk about the the th the good stuff in the three game winning streak that we had. We were hope I was hoping to get four in a row, Barry. Didn't happen against Detroit. That had to be one of the ugliest games I've seen. Just a horrible uh, shooting performance. You know, you take out Trier out of that game and Dotson. And I like how you're Knicks... saying Trier now. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, we didn't we didn't air it, but I asked Marcy right out of the gate. I said, um, you know, I have to ask you, is it Trier or is it Trier? And she said, it's actually Trier. And I said, how do we get Clyde and Mike Breen to say Trier? You know, um, but yeah. So if you take Trier and Dotson out of there, they couldn't, they couldn't hit, they couldn't hit anything. They couldn't hit water if they're sitting in a boat. We shot thirty nine percent from the field, thirty three percent from three. Yeah, and again, I mean, and those numbers are elevated. I mean, Trier shot. Here we go, Trier. Seven of eleven. <laughs> And Dotson shot six of eight. Well, Trier, <laughs> Trier shoots great every night. Pretty much. He had a huge game. 24 points, 10 rebounds, and seven assists. Yep. And the way he gets himself to the line. I was, I was thinking during, that, during the game against Detroit just how, how amazing he is at finishing by the rim. How, how, like, how much trouble Moody has had doing that and how easily Trier. Every time I say Trier now, it's weird. How easily Trier does it. You know, he's he's just so... I don't know if it's just that he loses his man every time. But, dude, he's so strong up at the rim. He doesn't even look it. I don't know how he gets it done. <laughs> but he had 24, 10, and 7 assists. And that was... I mean, 7 assists in a game where we only had 16 assists as a team. And the team shot under 40% from the field. I mean, that's an impressive number for Trier. Extremely impressive performance overall. Absolutely. Our point guards are not getting assist numbers like that ever. And how about a shout out to all the Dotson fans out there that have been clamoring for him to get some minutes back. In 23 minutes, he had 17 points, shooting six of eight, three for three from deep. I mean, was he raring to go or what? And that was pretty much all in the second half. Yeah. Dotson and Trier were the only reasons that that game wasn't a blowout because nobody else brought it. Hardaway had 19, but he was five for 15. Cantor had 16 points and 14 boards. But Barry, is there a more deceiving double-double player in the NBA than Ennis Cantor? Do you know what I mean by that? No. Dude, Explain. Mike Breen in the first quarter was like, Cantor has seven rebounds already. Amazing. And it's like, dude, he gets like three rebounds in one play just because he can't put back his own <laughs> oh, shot. Yes, yes. Yes, you know? that's that's absolutely right. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to... I don't want to put down his offense because we know around the basket, his moves are terrific. Um, his up and unders are great as far as, you know, finishing around the rim. But it seems like lately he just, 
He's just throwing the ball up there and hoping it goes in. Like there's no form whatsoever. He I just figures if I, I, I if I if I just pop is, it up ben. there, if I just pop it up there, it's probably gonna go. But it's a shame because he does move. I'm not gonna say gracefully because you know he, he's a little bit of a bull down there. How can I say a graceful bull? He's a little bit of a graceful bull underneath the basket. It's a shame that his his finishing shots are so inconsistent. And uh, and it was driving me nuts his jump shots tonight. You know, you want to put up a, like a you want to shoot a three-pointer like once a month? Fine. But you took one tonight. You missed like three other jump shots tonight. Don't shoot the ball. He's like a graceful bull with 30-pound ankle weights on. <laughs> I would say. And you're right. He does these moves and then and then it literally just looks like he's chucking it up with his eyes closed hoping it goes in exactly exactly he had that he had that one move where he got by someone and he was like i don't know six feet away from the basket wide open and he like tried to do this finger roll from a distance yeah yeah <laughs> and it just like hit off the bottom of the backboard and the bottom of the rim that should have been an easy <laughs> yeah finger roll it finger roll it if you want but i mean that's such an easy fucking shot for a guy who probably wants to make like 17, 18 million a year, that you can't pay someone that much who can't put in the bucket from that close away with no one on him. Yeah, I think Breen I mean, said, I've never seen him do that before. <laughs> you know, it's just like that finish. Because even when he's wide open, he just sort of like throws it up there. Yeah, or he barrels his way up. There's you know, absolutely the no room. skill involved. So when he gets a rebounding close and he keeps throwing it off the back of the rim, bouncing off and off and off, he collects like two points and four boards in one play just because he sucks. So at the end of the game, yeah, he had 16 points and 14 boards. That's because it takes him four tries to get a bucket in. He's a deceiving player. I mean, he plays hard. And when he's scoring, I mean, in Memphis, he was great. You know, he helped lead us to that win. Right, he had 21 points and 26 boards, but can't wait for him to not be on this fucking team, Barry. Can't wait. One of the best things I've noticed in that three-game winning streak, not just that we got the wins, but the most exciting part for me was that they were big team wins, right? It wasn't just one player leading us. It wasn't just that we shot the lights out from three. There were multiple players contributing in their own ways, and also... I've been noticing lately that a lot of the players contributing are contributing in a wide variety of ways. They're becoming more complete players. Like we just said, Trier had 24 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists against Detroit. In Boston, obviously Trey Burke hit that huge shot. Trey Burke, Trey Burke was a star of that game. 29 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. A great all-around game. Not the usual Trey Burke game where he's just scoring 20 points and does nothing else. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 21 points, four assists, four boards. Vonley, he had 16 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, three blocks. Oh, and then Knox almost had a double-double in that game. 11 points and nine boards. And Robinson had six blocks. Are you noticing that, Barry, how much yeah. everyone is contributing in a variety of ways? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Um <laughs> And then sim similar against the Pelicans. Let's talk about the Pelicans game. Let's talk about Emmanuel Moutier. Do you like what you're seeing from him? Of course. How could you not like what you're seeing from Emmanuel? Totally unexpected. He had the biggest night of his NBA career, which is crazy. 
He had 27.7 rebounds, four steals, two assists. He had some great D towards the end of that game. Great steal to ice it up. Let's keep in mind this is just a few games that Moody has been playing well. He didn't have a great game against Detroit. Shot four of 13. Still isn't getting the assists he probably should be getting as our starting point guard. Barry, has Fizdale fixed Moody? Or, is, or are the fans getting ahead of themselves with all that? Um, the jury's still out on Moutier. Is he exceeding my expectations? Yes, absolutely he is. But again, I mean, it's a week. Players have hot weeks. So I need to see it more. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Fizdale keeps him in that starting role. Um... And, you know, we're going to just have to see if he keeps it, if he keeps it up, you know, um, if he falls off, if he has a bad game, does he bounce back or does it just spiral into a bunch of bad games? Right. Every time you think one of these point guards is taking the reins, right? So another one of them steps up. Frank has been yeah. atrocious offensively of late. He's basically been delegated to the small forward spot against Boston. Trey Burke was huge off the bench. And you're like, oh, Trey Burke's been playing great. He had like, at that point, he had like four great games in a row. And then just when he's getting it going, then all of a sudden, Moody is getting it going. Yep. And talk about a good culture and a good locker room where, you know, some people could argue that you have these guys competing for spots. It's going to create tension between them. And yet after that uh, Memphis game, was it the Memphis game or the New Orleans? No, after New Orleans game. That that huge game that Moutier had, Trey Burke ran over to him. He dumped, I don't know if it looked like fucking ginger ale. Who knows what the hell it was. Dumped the, you know, dumped it over his head. The players were all jumping around. I haven't seen the Knicks that happy, and I can't remember when. Well, Trey Burke is never happy. He's always angry. Yes, yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> I've never seen him smile before. It was great. Yeah, after he hit that shot in Boston. And you oh. just said, you just mentioned Burke dumping water on Moutier. It was great after the win in Boston, Burke hit that shot. The first guy over to him was Frank Nilakina. Yes, exactly. And Frank was pumped up. Burke looks angry, so angry. Yeah. <laughs> but Frank and Burke did this like secret hand high-fiving handshake thing. I didn't even know they had. So there is obviously, even while these guys are competing with each other for these starter roles that they all want, they're all there's still great chemistry amongst them. Yep. And chemistry, which brings us to the dunk. Garrett Temple looking stolen by Burke. Burke ahead to Moutier. Moutier throws it down. Oh, what a steal from Burke and the finish from Moutier. And the Grizzlies are now down three. What a turn of events on that. And the foul. What a mesmerizing dunk by Moutier. Oof. Oh, with that powerful right-hand slam. It was awesome. And again, Burke over Moutier in his face, just pumping him up. Knicks were up one at the time. Moutier dunked that ball and got the foul. And that reminded me of a lot of the, like, the Moutier highlight videos that I've seen when he was in high school. Okay. Because people forget, he there. there's all these high school videos of Moutier where he's just dunking like crazy and he's got great ups dude and he's finishing like really spectacularly around the rim but you we haven't seen a lot of that in the nba yet no no he's always you know he's always going you know these these lay-ins around the around the hoop what a thing he has been doing really nice though um and most of the time it draws a foul 
but he gets close to the basket and he hangs in the air for a really long time, which allows him to finish well because he hangs in the air. He usually draws the foul and he's coming down and then he lays it up and he typically has a clear shot to the basket and he's finishing them. And that, 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 that leads to the hang time that you were mentioning. Yeah, listen to this soundbite that um, Fizdale had about Moutier. He has my total confidence. Um, a big part of his deal was just, can I rebuild, his, rebuild that? It really wasn't a lot of stuff that we had to tinker with with his game. A little, you know, maybe a shot a little bit here and things. But it was just rebuilding his spirit. And uh, it's back, and I'm really proud of the way he's putting forth this, uh, really leading that first group. Moutier's game was there. It was just a confidence thing, a spirit thing. And when he had that dunk against Memphis, I mentioned it reminded me of, of some of these plays I used to see of him in high school when he had that confidence. And he lost that confidence in the NBA at some point and just wasn't finishing around the rim like he should be. And so when he had that dunk in Memphis and Fizdell mentioned that thing about confidence, uh, may, I mean, maybe that's all it is for, for Moutier. And in the last show, we talked a lot about how Fizdale was driving us nuts with all these lineup changes, all the DNPs. Like Dotson hasn't played in like a week. And then against Detroit, all of a sudden he gets in the second half and lights it up. Like, why are these guys in and out of the lineup? It was interesting that the Knicks fought so hard to get that win for Fizdale in Memphis against the team that fired him just one year ago. In spite... Of, of all these moves Fizdale has been making with the rotation and the bench and the minutes, right? Like it's driving me and you crazy, Barry. And you'd think it might drive the players crazy, but you'd think they might be a little, some of them might be a little pissed at the coach for their lack of playing time or inconsistent playing time. But what does it tell you about how good of a coach Fizdale is that even in spite of all that, these guys, they really wanted to win that game for Fizdale. Yeah, I mean, obviously his communication skills are top-notch. I mean, I think they, they said it on the broadcast tonight how Dotson was okay with the situation because he respects Fizdale. He's on board with what Fizdale's doing. Fizdale communicated to him that he wants to be able to get a look at other guys, but Dotson's his guy to be ready to come in, uh, which obviously he did against Detroit. I think, obviously, it shows that the players want to play for him. It shows, Barry that they're developing a culture, a fucking culture. That's what it shows. A culture where it's not about I. It's not about individuals. It's about the team. And these guys are, It's a, for Fizdale, it's about the team. It's just about the team. Yeah, look at that. What was everybody's knock on Alonzo coming into this season? He's too selfish. He doesn't pass the ball. He led the team in assists tonight, seven assists. You're right. It's spreading. The team culture is spreading, Barry. Guys are doing more than just the one thing they're good at. They're accepting their roles. They're accepting what Fizdale, what positions Fizdale puts them in. That's right. They're not taking orders from upper management to go out and lose games so we could get the next big thing that's not you. It's no. We've got faith in you. We want to develop you. We want you guys to win. You know, it's, 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 it's all about the mindset. And it works in every direction, from, from top to bottom. And it's going to go from out to in, back out. And it just needs to be a big, cohesive atmosphere, which is, which is uh, what we've got going on. 
Right, they're buying in. They're fucking buying in. These guys aren't getting upset about their minutes because they're a team. That's a beautiful thing. That's a good thing. It's a fucking great thing. Right, Barry? Yeah. It's a fucking great thing. It's fucking great. Tonight we play the Sixers. Yeah. Our first look at the Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons Sixers. The Knicks first look. Yeah. Markel Fultz won't be playing. But lately there have been a lot of rumors about Markel Fultz having a few teams he's interested in being traded to. Like, I don't know why that ever even matters, who the players want to be traded to. But one of them is the Knicks. A lot of fans would love to get Markel Fultz. But I work with a lot of people from Philly who are big Sixers fans. And What do like, they think is going on? Just, well, just joking around, I was like, would you guys take Courtney Lee for Markel? And I thought they would be like, no, hell no. They're like, absolutely. Yeah, I in a second. That. I could see that. <laughs> the, one dude was telling me that the Sixers just want to be done with him. And I was like, what is, go- what is, the- what is really going on? And there's some sort of... I don't know how much Knicks fans know this because I didn't know this. I just... I don't really watch Sixer basketball. You- We've all seen the clips of Markel shooting from the free throw line with that hitch. They told me lately he's been doing this thing where he like takes the ball in his hands at the free throw line and starts tossing it between his hands and then just chucks it up at the rim. Yeah, the, uh, in, without, the NFL, in the NFL. Have you seen that? Yeah, I haven't the, seen that. Yeah, in the NFL, there was a, a guy scored a touchdown and the team <laughs> duplicated that move. I was like, what is going on with him? And they were telling me that there's this theory that's, that everyone's talking about that Markel Fultz was in a big motorcycle accident after he was drafted. And that's what fucked up his shoulder so much. And it's not a mental thing, but that it's a physical thing. And he's actually injured more than anyone's letting on. Take a listen to this bite, Barry. This is Brandon Robinson talking about this Markel Fultz motorcycle accident. He talks about it on 97.3 ESPN. That's the South Jersey ESPN. Do you know there was a South Jersey ESPN? No. Wow, Scoop, I I really want to go back to that uh, motorcycle thing that you just said because uh, a lot of people, and I won't obviously mention their names, uh, talked to me behind closed doors and mentioned uh, the same type of thing. Um, Again, hindsight being 2020, is this something that he is healing from, do you know of? Or uh, is this something that uh, is a long-term? Because it's been more than a year, and... Uh, the last time we see Markel Fultz be the regular Markel Fultz was this last year's summer league. Um, I can tell you that that conversation was had uh, between myself and uh, a celebrity. I won't name their name, but I will tell you that they told me that, and they told me that that injury um, lingered for a while, and that's why he's out, and that there were some things that were going on behind the scenes with his trainer. Um, he had to switch trainers, and as a result, the combination of the motorcycle accident, the combination of trainers, and the conversation, or, or rather the combination of his, uh, just his his motivation or his, his, his confidence uh, hindered all of that. And so you go into this season looking to eradicate all of those things that were headlines at the beginning of last season. Um, I don't know as far as the injury uh, that was told to me. I don't know if that is still... Uh, a lingering thing, uh, but you look at how he was shooting free throws. That's like, er? <laughs> yeah. 
So, Barry, what do you think about that? I mean, a lot of Knicks fans, I don't know if we know the full story. Hopefully, Perry and Mills do. And hopefully, we're not going to be trading anything of value for Mar- Markel Fultz. But would you be interested in him, uh, in dealing anyone for him? You, you think that Fizz could sort of work on his confidence? Or, or, or should, you know, is there a reason that Philly is totally giving up on him? Should we take our cue from them? I didn't know what was going on last year. It didn't make any sense to me, shoulder injury or not. I thought the whole thing was bizarre. Um, And then just to carry over to this year, it's even more bizarre. Uh, Again, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not around the team. But everything screams to me that it's something mental. I mean... You're talking. I mean, you've seen the footage that I've seen. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. And no, I don't want to get involved with that situation. Um, I just don't. Even if it means getting Lee off the roster. The other thing too, him being a number one pick. I mean, he's got money coming to him. Yeah. Even though it's only going into his third year. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I just don't want that project. I mean, we have enough projects on our team as it is. I I don't need that one. Um, and uh, it's it's scary. It's a scary situation because you don't know, you know, like you said, switching trainers, switching doctors. Um, you know, Philly giving up on him this quick, like you mentioned. It's uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch it. Yeah, I'm back and forth on it myself, but a big part of me agrees with you and says, no, I think a, a Knicks fans get enamored with just getting these former top picks, especially just getting the former number one pick. Like, they get more excited about that than you know, Noah Vonley, who's playing great. They're excited about getting Markel Fultz because he was a number one pick, not because of anything he's doing now. Yeah. Philadelphia doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. Yeah. Usually that's for good reason. Teams don't just give up on number one picks that easily. It looks like they've done everything they think they can in their power to get him right and he still can't get right and do we really want him taking minutes away from like all these Knicks fans are bitching about the minutes and how we're how by giving Moutier minutes and Cantor minutes and Trey Burke minutes we're taking minutes away from Knox Nilakina, and Robinson can you imagine if we had added faults to the mix and we're taking minutes away from those guys for this dude who we don't even know what's going on with him Ads, like you said, I think he has three years and like he's making a decent amount of money over those three years. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I think he's due to make like nine million next year. Nine point seven million next year. Twelve point two million the year after that. That's a ton of money for a guy that A has not produced and is not producing to earning anywhere close to that amount of money. And B, you don't know what's going on under the hood. If you deal Courtney Lee in an ideal situation, you want to you wanna release money from this next year to go after a free agent, not keep that money on the books for, like you said, someone who is broken. He's fucking broken. Yeah. But he's the first. He's a, he, was the first dra- he was the first pick of the draft last year, so everyone wants him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we all saw what he was doing at Washington and, you know, yeah, he, he has great moves around the rim and, you know, his defense was really good. He, his shot looked good, but 
it's not transposing to the NBA and, and, and we don't know, you know, for some guys you just say, okay, they're just outmatched, outplayed, but th- there's more going on to this story. Um, and with him and I mean, it's just not something that, that this franchise needs to get involved with. Right. Stay away from false Perry and Mills. We're finally starting to not look like a joke out there. I don't think we need Fultz's jump shot making us a joke again. All right, Barry, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule. You got your notebook out? You know, Craig, I don't keep the schedule in my notebook. Oh, you don't write the little schedule in your notebook of upcoming I don't. games? No, I don't. <laughs> so do, do I have to do that too? No. <laughs> let's see who can get there first. I'm there, dude. We play Philly tonight. Oh, you are there. Yeah, in Philly. And then we got two nights off. We got two nights off in a row? Yeah. Thursday Thank and Friday. Thank God, dude. These are, there are a lot of games going on. That's right. Family's going to be very happy. <laughs> two nights off, and then on Saturday, we're back at home against Milwaukee. We're right now seven wins and 15 losses. And Barry, we're about to see if what we predicted before the season comes true. That's right. Before the season started, you asked me through October and November, the first two months of the season, what did I think and, 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 you, and what did you think that the record of the Knicks would be? Let's take a listen to that clip. The uh, the Knicks schedule was released. A fan on Twitter asked, now that the schedule was released, what do I think their record would be? I'm like, what the fuck do they expect us to do, Barry? Like, go game to game and say if they're going to win or lose? Is that what people do? <laughs> yeah, that's what people do. They kind of look over the schedule. I mean, I think his question was actually like, what is their record going to be going into December? He's probably got the thought in his head that he's decided, uh, this, this person decided that that's when Porzingis is coming back. He wanted to know what their record is at that point. Uh, because that's going to change the rest of the, uh, the the season, his eyes. And I have that I have that number. If uh, I don't remember that Twitter handle that asked that question, but I have th- my prediction. You went through the schedule. Well, f- October, November, the first two months of the season. There's 23 games, and I've got I've got my prediction. What are you saying? Uh, seven and 16. Holy shit! You hit it on the fucking head. That is I, absolutely right. And they usually start off good. And, and Barry, I don't see I that happening even, this year. I didn't even need to go game to game. So Barry, we're pretty fucking smart, aren't we? Yeah. So, I mean, for anybody who thought the Knicks were underperforming or overperforming, no. They're performing just like just like we saw it. Just like It's a Hard Knicks Life said they would. That's right. So let's not get That's too right. high. Let's not get too low. Let's keep on the course. And, uh, yeah, I don't have a nice closing statement to that thought, Frank. Again, my thoughts are running dry. They're just hitting brick walls. <laughs> That's all right, Barry. I got the music playing, and we're going to just make our way out of here. Good, because I want to go to bed. Yeah, it's. I was falling asleep during that whole Pistons game, to be honest. <laughs> it's really awful. It was awful. Guys, you can reach out to us. It's a hardnickslife at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at hardnickslife. You could call us. I mean, I don't care anymore. Barry, should we even give the fucking number? Yeah, 516 you know what? Let's not even do it. 516-724-2573. doesn't matter. What? Motherfuckers don't call anyway. That's not the number. That's the number to this great Thai place I go to. So (laughs) Sometimes it's a little too spicy. And I've asked for it to not be spicy at all. And then I think they make it spicier. All right, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) Where is that going? I have no idea. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) No, 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 no. So, Barry, 
how about uh, your son plays us out with that violin performance he did tonight? <laughs> uh, let it rip. Barry, that it's beautiful. <laughs> it was a great performance, Barry. Are you proud? No comments. <laughs> What's your fucking problem, Barry? Just go along with it. <laughs> All right, guys, Barry's pretty much asleep, so until next time, it is a hard. Barry! What? <laughs> Say it, finish. Fuck it. It's a hard Nick's life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.